honored guests. Thank you for coming to this assembly. If you'll please take a seat, our meeting will start presently. Gentlemen, you have the floor. Hey, Daniel, I got a question for you. Yeah, Ryan, what's that? Well, this week, my question to you is, what animal would you choose to be your personal mascot? Oh, man, what a great question. Thank you, I asked it myself. <laughs> um, so I guess the first thing we have to de decide is, this is not just your favorite animal. Correct. This is your personal mascot. Like, let's say you had, like, a wizard show up, and he turned you into an animal, and it was based off of your, like, persona. Yeah. What would you turn into? Oh, man. See, I think... I wish it could be a Kodiak grizzly bear. Because mm. those are the greatest animals ever. Oh, yeah. But anyone who has ever seen me in person knows I am not a Kodiak grizzly <laughs> bear. <laughs> um, Even a little bit. Okay, so tangent. Oh, sorry, I have this pencil, and I'm just waving it around. Um, so, <laughs> tangent, though. Like, for our audience... Can you explain what a Kodiak grizzly bear is? A Kodiak grizzly bear is like a bear on steroids. It's like nature's greatest bear. It is like on their hind legs, they can stand between like 10 and 12 feet tall. Like <laughs> just like on all four legs, they're like six, seven feet tall. Like the height <laughs> of a man. They have paws that are to the size of like a human torso. They wear jetpacks. Um, uh, wait, no, that's sorry. I added that part. <laughs> Yeah, they are basically like the apex predator. They live on a Kodiak Island in Alaska. It's the only place in the world they live, and they're gigantic. Like Google like pictures of Kodiak grizzly bears, um, and like if you see one where it's like it's been killed by a hunter, it's like the, the size of a car. It's huge, um, and they are awesome. And every Pro time I look up more facts about them, I am more fascinated by could, Kodiak grizzly. Could probably take down an elephant. Those things are uh, anyway. Sorry, yes. Yeah. So Kodiak grizzly bear not on the list. Yeah, not me. Okay. Um, so I think I think my personal mascot would be um I think it would probably be something like a um a badger mm. uh or an armadillo. Wow, those are not the same. No, but I think I think it, actual animal wise, it would be an armadillo. They're just like they just kind of go about their own business. They're just kind of they do one thing. They do it really well. Um, they've got shells. They're they really don't care about whatever else is going on around them. Like they're just kind of doing their own thing, living their life. Okay, okay. Kind of sheltered from everything that's going on around them. Um, but like badgers, in terms of like. Um, in all the stories about badgers, like Wind in the Willows and different, you know, um, stories about badgers, mm -hmm. Harry Potter and the Hufflepuff house, um, they're just kind of like a solid, like, domestic animal that likes to kind of live in their hole and, you know, dig. And they they are capable of, you know, defending themselves and stuff. But like, they're like the honey badger. Yeah, the honey badger. <laughs> there's another cool animal. Um but yeah, I think I think if it was if it's actual animals, probably like the armadillo. If it's like 
kind of a fictionalized version of anal, probably like a bad day. Okay. Nice. Right, what about for you? <sighs> yeah. See, I, I, I'm a big dude, right? Like uh, physically, I am, I am large. I have a big belly. Uh, so if if you look behind me, just right here, for those who are only listening, I have a, I have a bear on a rug hanging behind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you brought up the Kodiak bear, like I could see myself like saying something like grizzly bear or something, but grizzlies can be mean, you know. I, like I can be if. It, but only in like situations where, um, you know, there's people who are just not listening. I need to get a point across, or like I I can raise my voice and I and I am very loud, so I can silence a room. But I don't like to be that way. So sure. it like I I think the answer is bear based on like my body type and everything. But what type of bear it is, I think it that's a. I'm not a black bear because I'm not scared. Like, they're, they're skittish. Black bears are just not going to attack you. But I'm also not, like, overly aggressive. So maybe, so, like, like a sun bear. Okay, your sun bear, I was also going to say panda bear. I, see, that's the thing, too. It's like, I'm not lazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not lazy, and I'm not... I'm not uh... Pandas aren't lazy. They have to eat all the time. That's a full-time job. Because Ryan. they're too lazy to hunt. They have those huge... Like they got those huge canines because they're supposed to be eating meat, and all they do is eat bamboo because they're too lazy to hunt. Lazy or ingenious? That's fair. I mean, they did get a, a species that is more uh, inte- intellectually superior to them to now care for their every need to keep them alive. That so like a dream to me. <laughs> so maybe maybe panda bear. No, I, I think I think something like a sun bear or maybe like a mild mannered grizzly bear might be the answer to mine. Gotcha. That's a good one, though. <laughs> anyway, everyone, welcome to the Assemblyman, where it's okay to ask for directions. Here at the Assembly, our purpose is personal development, and each week our goal is to highlight one virtue of outstanding individuals for us to cultivate in our own lives. And uh, that carries with it the idea that each week we have a theme. Mm-hmm. So, um, would you mind sharing with us this week's theme, Daniel? today's theme yeah so this week's theme um is integrity um which is a word you know we might all be familiar with but ryan what when i say the word integrity what's something that kind of comes to mind for you yeah uh so so the word integrity um it's kind of like nerdy to to think about but like the idea never (laughs) no never uh but uh the word integrity you, you find the root word there is integer i think of math um, so if you go to the number line, you, you got the, the solid numbers. You got one, two, three, four, five. You know, on the number line, we know those numbers. We studied them all throughout elementary school and everything. We we measure things by them. Like it's just like those numbers are the solid ones. Um, they don't have any decimals. They don't got any fractions. It's like that. It it, it is within itself like a solid whole. That is the number. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- like that's what I think of when I think of integrity. Is that like. Uh, somebody who is uh, who exemplifies integrity is somebody who within themselves is a, is like a, a constant uh, like a whole that 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 number or whatever that that like stays the same. Sure. So there's a consistency. There's a faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of a certainty there. Um, yeah. Looking it up on the dictionary.com, a couple of the definitions it gave were an adherence to moral and ethical principles, a soundness of moral character and honesty, or the state of being whole, entire, or undiminished. 
So that kind of all ties into that idea of just being kind of consistent. Mm-hmm. You are who you are. That's really, really what it's all about. Yeah, so exactly. To, to demonstrate then um, this idea of integrity, we have a, another segment of Look at This Guy. Look at this guy. And Ryan, I am so excited about this week's Look at This Guy. Me too. I love this one. This is going to be so good. I, this is, I think, one of my favorite characters in all of literature. Any book I've ever read, this character is one of my all-time favorites. He's, oh, he's so good. And um, I hope, I hope that most of you know who we're talking about when we, we reveal who the character is. But if you haven't heard of who this is, um, we will explain the character and then you need to go read (laughs) and catch up on what makes this character so great. So who are we talking about when we're talking about integrity today? Yes. Uh, So this week we are talking about the character of Puddle Glum uh, from the Chronicles of Narnia uh, book, The Silver Chair. You heard that right. It is Puddle Glum. And I think for people who know Puddle Glum, they just let out a shout of joy because this is also one of their favorite characters. And if you didn't let out a shout of joy, it's because you haven't read The Silver Chair and you don't know how awesome Puddle Glum is. <laughs> uh, so for those of you who do not know, or for a fresher if it's been a while, Puddle Glum is a character from the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, he lives in the land of Narnia, which is kind of a fantastic land that is um, like another other world that um, people go to and have adventures in. Mm-hmm. And in this world, Puddle Glum is a marsh wiggle, um, which is kind of like a cross between a man and a frog and like an amphibian mm-hmm. fish kind of a thing. And they live in marshes, hence the marsh. Um, and they basically... They fish. Um, they fish. They do things in the water. Um, they have like webbed hands and feet and they're very tall and they have very long stringy arms and legs. They're very gangly. Yeah. Yeah. And and they are like swamp colored, like their skin has like a mud kind of a tone to it. And they're not what you would call like an attractive, like good looking, (laughs) uh, race of people. Um, and they're also kind of known for, um, being somewhat of a pessimistic group of people that's the truth yes and so puddle glum um in the silver chair there are two uh other children jill and eustace who are sent on a, a fantastic adventure to go rescue a lost prince and puddle glum is their chosen or the companion who is chosen to accompany them and kind of lead them through this great adventure and mm-hmm. basically all you need to know about puddle glum can be summed up in like the first couple of lines he says from the um the book it's such a good introduction to a character yeah so it tells you it, everything you need to know the first the first lines he says in the whole book are there you are best we can do you'll lie cold and hard damp too i shouldn't wonder won't sleep a wink most likely even if there isn't a thunderstorm or a flood or the wigwam doesn't fall down on top of us all as i've known them to do make the best of it <laughs> And then later, when they're actually meeting him and, and introducing, he's introducing himself, they ask, oh, we don't know your name. And he said, Puddle Glum's my name, but it doesn't matter if you forget it. I can always tell you again. <laughs> and so right from the beginning, Puddle Glum is established as kind of a bummer of a character. 
in terms of the things he says. He can always he can always look at a situation, no matter how good it is, and point out what could go wrong. Right. And no matter how bad it is, it could always be worse. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is that Puddle Glum is kind of ostracized, or or he's on the outside of the Marsh Wiggle community because everyone else thinks he's too perky. And- <laughs> Too, too upbeat and they think he needs to go on a great adventure to kind of sober him up and calm him down a little bit mm-hmm. um and so puddle glum and the two children jill and eustace go off on this adventure um in the land of the giants and underground and all sorts of really cool stuff and puddle glum throughout the whole story doesn't really change every time we check in with puddle glum he is the same character mm-hmm. um he says things that, you know, kind of make you think he's looking at the worst, but he's also remarkably consistent. He adheres to, um, they've, uh, when they go on this adventure, they've been given a set of signs that they're supposed to look out for that are kind of going to guide them and rules that they should follow. Yeah. And Puddle Glum um, is very much focused on sticking to those rules. He thinks, you know, bad things might still happen to him, but they're going to stick to the rules. Yes. Um, and they're going to follow them to the best of their abilities. Even when the kids kind of stop paying attention to them, Puddle Glum is always there to kind of remind them that maybe they should be uh, focusing on the rules and looking for the signs, even when they don't. Yeah, like the, the, his pessimism doesn't detract from his loyalty. Right. Yeah, like it, it's, it's like, I'm going to do this regardless of what happens to me, kind right. of a thing. Even if there is a part where he says like, oh yeah, it's going to be great. What, you know, we'll probably go into the land of the giants in the middle of winter and it's going to be awful, but he's willing to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, even though he thinks it's going to be terrible, he's still willing to do it. Um, And so the, the best part of Puddle Glum's story comes near the end. They, they find the, the prince and it turns out the prince has been enchanted in this underground kingdom by this witch. And they, they free the prince from his enchantment, but then the witch comes in. And she immediately begins kind of trying to enchant the prince and the two children and Puddle Glum um, and kind of convince them that there is no such thing as the what they call the um, the the outside world. Or yeah, the, the over upland. the overworld yeah. up upland. Yeah. Yeah. It, this is, is my absolute favorite part of the book. It's yeah. so good. And so she starts playing this like magical song and like there's, she's got basically like a fire burning that's putting smoke into the room and it's enchanting everyone. And she's just convincing them that that all the things they remember about the overworld. So things like uh, the sun Mm -hmm. um, is really just a thing that they've imagined because, oh, it's, it's like a lamp that I have here in my, um, my cavern. And you just imagined that that was hanging up in something called the sky that you completely imagined. Yeah, because she, she would ask them questions uh, like, what does the sun hang from? And they wouldn't know the answer. And so she would laugh at them because, because of their like lack of knowledge and say, um, well, it's ridiculous because you don't know the answer. So you must have imagined my world or taken stuff from my world and imagined something greater. Right. Um, so it's not really real. It's like a game for babies. Right. And then she does the same thing with um, the kind of the god figure of Narnia is the lion named Aslan. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who sent them on this mission. So they're like, well, we should we should listen to Aslan. And she says, oh, who's Aslan? They're like, well, it's like a cat, but much, you know, greater. And she's like, oh, yes, we have cats. You must have ima- seen the cat and imagined that there was some greater cat called Aslan. What a fantastic imagination you have. Mm-hmm. 
um, to try to convince them that nope, they are um, they are imagining all of this, and that so that she can enchant them and keep them in the underworld. Um, and all of the the prince and Jill and Eustace, the kids, all are under the enchantment, and they're just getting sleepier and tired, and they can't fight back anymore. But Puddleglum <laughs> um, has a little bit of a different thing. So. Um, Basically, uh, Puddle Glum, in the midst of this, does something very brave, and he knows it's going to hurt. Um, he takes his his webbed foot, his bare webbed foot, because marshmallows don't wear shoes, and he stomps it into the fire, right in the middle of this. And it, it because it's made the point is made in the book that marsh wiggles are kind of swampy and kind of gross. Um, the smell of a burning marsh wiggle foot is not great. <laughs> And so it immediately kind of like snaps everybody out of the enchantment because instead of this pleasant incense aroma, it's a burning marsh wiggle foot. <laughs> and then he gives one of the greatest speeches of all time. Are you going to read it? Yeah. I'm yes. Just read it right all now. right. It's so good. Uh, she says, he says, one word, ma'am, he said, coming back from the fire, limping because of the pain. One word. All you've been saying is quite right. I shouldn't wonder. I'm a chap who always liked to know the worst and then put the best face I can on it. So I won't deny any of what you said. But there's one more thing to be said, even so. Suppose we have only dreamed or made up all those things. Trees and grass and sun and moon and stars and Aslan himself. Suppose we have. Then all I can say is that in that case, the made up things seem a good deal more important than the real ones. Suppose this black pit of a kingdom of yours is the only world. Well, it strikes me as a pretty poor one. And that's a funny thing when you come to think of it. We're just babies making up a game, if you're right. But four babies playing a game can make a play world which licks your real world hollow. That's why I'm going to stand by the play world. I'm on Aslan's side, even if there isn't any Aslan to lead it. I'm going to live as like a Narnian as I can, even if there isn't any Narnia. So thanking you kindly for our supper, if these two gentlemen and the young lady are ready, we're leaving your court at once and setting out in the dark to spend our lives looking for overland. Not that our lives will be very long, I should think, but that's small loss if the world's as dull a place as you say. Mike drop. <sighs> um, and that basically breaks the spell. They're able to defeat the, the witch, the enchantress, and make it back to overland to Narnia and survive. That I remember reading that for the first time. And it put voice to something that I had, like, I had thoughts, you know, there was something along those lines stirring around in my head for a long time. Um, and I could never put it into words. And I remember reading that for the first time and like tearing up a little bit because I'm like, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of like we talked about a few episodes ago with the idea of devotion, right? It is a, it a dedication to an idea larger than yourself. Mm. And that's what Puddle Glum exemplifies. He does not change over the course of the story. He doesn't have like a great arc where he grows and learns a lot. <laughs> he stays pretty much the same from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. But yeah. as everything else around him is challenging uh, his beliefs, is um, calling into question the things that he's doing and why he's doing them. Puddle Glum remains the same. Even when, yeah, it's probably all a lie and mm. there's no point in doing it, 
seems like this idea, this world that we've created is a lot better than the real world that the witch has created. So we may as well die for it rather than live in this uh, enchantment. Right. And uh, there's one thing I want to mention before we're done with this segment. And it's that like in our stories here in, uh, oh, we'll just say America. I don't know about all of Western culture, but specifically in America uh, from my experiences of, you know, what we what we have here. Um, we love stories where there's a huge character arc. Which is a good thing, right? The change, the the tension, the change of of, of a character from the beginning, uh, what they learn, and then and then how it uh, like at the conclusion of the climax of the story, how it all like comes to fruition, and then they're uh, they're a completely changed character. That's a really good thing. Um, but sometimes it's good to remember that the constant, the the one who like the moral constant, or the the the, the one who is who is loyal uh, consistently through thick and thin is uh, can be some of the most inspiring uh, characters that, that we have. Um, the character arc is, is wonderful and it can teach us a, a wonderful thing. But also remember that like our goal isn't always just to be looking for the next greatest thing to change us. We, we here at the assembly, man, we're, we're really big on character growth and becoming better people every day and, and changing the world around us. Like that's what we want to do. But also, if you, you know, if we find something that is like, you know what, this is this is worth living for. If we find like that, if we find what I would call the truth um, and, and find that like, this is worth it, that can be a constant. We don't have to be constantly looking for something like, oh, this can't be it. There's always got to be something more like th there can be a goal here. And that's why I, I love Polygon so much is because he represents that like, you know what, um, that consistency that's what i'm looking for in my life is is being being that constant yeah for sure so yeah check out the silver chair if you've never read it um if you have read it reread it again because it's oh, a great story and also um so this uh, puddle glum was based off of a real person his name was frederick william calcutt paxford heck of a name oh man we love the big names here uh, <laughs> but uh he was uh so that guy fred paxford was actually the handyman and the gardener for c.s lewis the one who wrote the silver chair from uh 1930 until 1963 and uh there was a couple quotes i just wanted to read about this guy um uh, it said that he was an inwardly optimistic an outwardly pessimistic, dear, frustrating, shrewd countryman of immense integrity is uh, a quote from uh, Past Watchful Dragons, the Narnian Chronicles of C.S. Lewis by uh, Walter Hooper. And then also, um, I love this one. He spoke with a slow, burring Cotswold drawl. And if he could find nothing good to say about someone else, he would say nothing about them at all. He drove cars steadily and well and could be trusted with any task to which you put him. He was also a man who had been brought up with strong principles, and honesty and loyalty were two things that he loved and admired and st uh, stuck to all of his life. Another fact of his personality was that he was always ready to say the most depressing things and apparently to take the gloomiest attitude to everything while at the same time to expect everything to turn out well. I have a sneaking suspicion that he voiced the worst possible thoughts about things to protect himself and others from their actually happening. And that was from Jack's Life, the story of C.S. Lewis uh, by Douglas H. Gresham. Anyway, we uh, will take a short recess.
Dad Joke Corner. Hey, Ryan. What's up? Um, I've been saying mucho to my Spanish friend a lot more lately. It means a lot to him. <laughs> that, solid. Oh, man. That, the solid 7 out of 10. <laughs> So, uh, so my teacher asked, what's the formula for water? And, uh, so I said, H I J K L M N O. And the teacher said, what do you, that's not the formula for water. And I said, well, yeah, it's H2O. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> you like it? Uh... Yeah. Hey, that grow. That's what I'm looking for. That's what we're looking for with the dad jokes. This has been Dad Joke Corner. We're preparing you for the future. All right. So this week, in talking about integrity, talking about integrity, we have um, we have a question that's been brought to our attention, Daniel. That we uh, we should probably uh, inform our audience about. But uh, we we do. Uh, like giving our opinions on things. We don't just like tearing apart quotes in our here's why you're wrong segment. Sometimes we like to take the positive approach and, and instill wisdom into those who are listening to the podcast in our segment called uh, Guidance Counselors. Guidance Counselors. So in this ep er, er, episode, wow. <laughs> so in this segment of Guidance Counselors, we have a question brought to us uh, that says this. So dear Guidance Counselors, it's good to try to be a good person, but I feel like it's, it was easier for people back then because they didn't have so many bad influences like us today. Is it even possible not to be a hypocrite today? Mm. That is a good question. Um... There certainly, it does seem like with the internet, with access to information, there's just a lot more going on in yeah. the world at this point in history than at any point previously. Um, because we live in it, I mean, we can really empathize with that idea that just so much stimuli. Yeah. Anytime, if you are awake, you are being bombarded constantly by advertisements, by songs, by you know, text messages by just information overload. It mm -hmm. seems like, and a lot of that information is, as the question asker kind of points out, it feels like it's a bad influence, right? Like there's yeah. just so many voices out there that, or maybe not necessarily just, uh, maybe they weren't trying to say just like a bad influence, but like negative, like, yeah. um, you know, the news doesn't necessarily have to be like bad in itself, but it's just bringing forth negative ideas. Yeah. You know? It's it's just kind of a bummer because the world we live in seems like it's kind of a bummer a lot of the time. Um, but this actually, this question actually reminded me of um, another one of our favorite stories here on the Assemblyman podcast, which mm. is the Lord of the Rings. And um, there is a part in the second book in Lord of the Rings, the two towers um, where one of the main characters, Aragorn um, is having a conversation with another character named Aemer um, and Aemer kind of asks him, I'm going to pull it up here so I can read it. Um, Aemer says, um, the world is all grown strange. 
how shall a man judge what to do in such times? Amor's kind of asking the question that the question asker here is asking. Like, yeah, that's really similar. The world is kind of weird. What? How do we judge what what to do? Yeah. Um, and Aragorn's response is one of my favorite things in The Lord of the Rings, where he says, as ever he has judged, good and ill have not changed since yesteryear, nor are they one thing among elves and dwarves and another thing among men. It is a man's part to discern them as much in the golden wood as in his own house. But Aragorn basically says, good and evil, the truth hasn't changed. Yeah. It's not like it's relative to, well, it's, it's different for me as a young person versus an older person, as a guy versus a girl, any of that. The truth is still the truth. And it's, it can be hard to, to listen to it, but kind of like we've been talking about in this episode with integrity, um, when you find those things that are those, those constants, you know, the truth, um, you know, wh- whatever that is, they don't change depending on, you know, if you were born in 1950 or 2015. Right. The, the truth is still the truth. And it's just as important to, to pay attention to that and to use that as a foundation for making your decisions. And I, I just want to like give an, an example, because we, we talk about truth, like a general idea of truth, but like something like, for instance, your life has purpose. That's a constant. That is you, definitively your life has purpose. You can argue with us all you want. Uh, we love arguing, so bring it on. But uh, I will argue to my dying breath that your life has purpose, um, and that is something that we can we can plant our flag in and stand upon. That um, you know people were people are are created. I I believe firmly people are created with some sort of purpose in mind, um, and so like what what Aragorn said in the book there. That's the definition of integrity. Every <laughs> everything uh, that we do now, it like we it doesn't have to change just because of our circumstances. It, yeah, you were saying like sometimes it's hard to hear the truth, but uh, but like because nowadays we have so much, so many things coming at us, it's hard to to pick between those things. Like, what is it that I should be listening to? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ways that that we can help with that in our own lives is to cut down on the number of things that are coming at us because yeah. we, the, the circumstances in your life, you have, you have some control over. Um, so the question asker here says, is it even possible to not be a hypocrite today? I, you know, I mean, we're going to make mistakes. I don't know exactly where, uh, like the idea of like hypocrite, if you're saying like one mistake, you're a hypocrite. But I think the general idea is that like, you know, you're consistently living it one way when you're saying you're living another. Um, yeah, it, it is possible nowadays to live that way. Um, how we can help with that is, you know, cut down on the things that are coming at you. We talked in uh, I don't uh, episode four about if there is ice cream in the in your fridge or if there's no ice cream in the fridge, it's easier to not eat ice cream. Right. And so if you have those negative influences constantly coming at you, maybe put the phone down for a while or put down the remote, stop watching the TV, unplug it for a while. Um, you know, go outside, do do other things, and uh, change up your routine a little bit. If it's not possible, uh, you know, you can't get away from some people, um, start to like fill your mind with positive things in the other part of the day where you actually have time. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there are things that you can do that can can mitigate these massive amounts of information overload and stimuli that are that are gearing you towards the direction you don't want to be going. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, there is hope. Yes, there is a way of um 
kind of sifting through the information and figuring out, okay, how do I, how do I live a good life? How do I try to not be a hypocrite and be consistent and live with integrity? Um, and where do I take a stand? Yeah, but it is going to take some work. It is hard, just like it was hard for people in past generations too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, each generation has its own difficulties, um, but that's not an excuse to, you know, not try. And one last thing. Puddle Glum, uh, when he stamped out the fire, um, what he did changed the, the fates of the other three that were in the room, uh, the two children and the prince. Um, we need other people. If you're trying to do everything on your own, uh, you're probably not going to be able to do it because we need people. We need a community. And if you're having uh, issues with living consistently and having integrity, sometimes it's good to have people that hold you accountable. You say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? And you can devise a plan, come up with some way that, that you're able to do that, and it'll change everything about the way that you approach it. Because now you actually have somebody who is assisting you and can help stamp out that fire, and you can do that for the other person too. Yep. And that is some good advice. So thank you for joining us on this episode. Or uh, I keep saying episode. <laughs> thank you for joining us on this segment of Guidance Counselors. All right, Ryan. It's it's time to settle something. Oh boy. Um, as as longtime listeners know, every week we try to do some kind of a, a competition or debate, and this week um, we have yet another the debate, debate. of all debates. Some might this, call it. This is the ultimate debate from the annals of history. Woo! Debates from the annals of history. All right, Ryan. This is a good one. Uh, what is the topic up for debate this week? All right, so our debate this week, I'm gearing myself up for it. It's a doozy. Is everything debatable? Mm. The debate, is everything debatable? And so, Ryan, what what wrong opinion are you going to take? Oh, I get to right start the that. argument this week. Oh, um... I don't think so. Okay. I don't Explain think you're wrong. I don't think everything is debatable, and I don't think I'm wrong. So, That's I debatable. <laughs> oh boy, he's Dan. Dan's gonna be annoying for the rest of this episode. <laughs> okay, more annoying than usual. <laughs> no. Okay, I don't think everything is debatable depending on the definition of what you mean because if you mean by debatable that you can you know you can argue the opposite then yes everything is debatable great problem solved move on that's not that is not what i believe this is asking i think it's the spirit of the question is asking um are there some things that are objectively true i think that you know when i read this is everything debatable you're going to have people like you all the time who who come up with the opposite side of things just to just to be annoying to, to argue for a cause that they don't even believe in like the one you're going to argue here in a minute but i think when it comes to debates that uh everything uh is not subjective kind of like how um you know just a callback from an earlier episode tires are not cups they're just not coward coward tires are not cups and you can't debate that 
You tried, it didn't work, sorry. Objectively, a tire is not a cup. And so my argument is that uh, there is objective truth. So you want to argue against that? I think I've put you in a hard yeah. spot here to get out so, of. Brian, here's what I will say. I okay. will say that you, you by the nature of your um, how you have defined debatable, you have the easy rebuttal to this. Which uh, is to say say that, that again, you cut out a little bit. Okay, sorry. Um, so I will say this, Ryan, that by the nature of how you've defined debatable, you have taken away the easy rebuttal to okay. your point. However, I do not think you have won the debate. Because okay. I think even if I agree with your definition, I think you can still make a case that yes, everything is debatable, and here's why. Okay, Because while the objective truth of things, we would both agree, is, is, is a fact. There are okay. some things that are objectively true. Sure. Um, the act of debating those things oftentimes hones the, uh, the degree to which you understand that truth. Okay. Allow me to explain that a little bit more. Yeah, um, go for it. The, the reason that, as you pointed out, people like myself um, <laughs> enjoy debating so much and enjoy playing you know, a lot of times the devil's advocate position is, is not just to be difficult and annoying. It is also to sharpen and hone the opinions of the people we are debating, right? Someone can make a claim that is on the surface level true, but if they don't know why it's true or why they believe that it's true, it can oftentimes do more harm than good, right? So something like we talked about last week where um, everything happens for a reason. Okay. That is something that we kind of agreed as we talked about it last week is true. There is a reason behind everything. But the people who say it don't oftentimes think about it the way we think about it. And so by debating that, by drawing attention to the flaws in, in maybe the way that people present their opinions or the, the biases that they hold that they don't realize they held, it makes the truth clearer and it makes it better. And so I think that not only is everything debatable, Everything should be debatable because I think that things that are held as this is no longer up for debate are oftentimes um, things that then become lazy thoughts that no more thought is given to and be, are on the way to becoming less and less true. Not because the objective truth is not true, but because people's relationship to the truth drifts away because they don't have to think about it anymore. So I think I not only is everything debatable, everything should be debated. I like your thinking on this. This feels like it's going to be a little bit more civil than some of our other debates here. but uh, Which is a shame. I know. I know. It's an absolute shame. I do like the way you th you're thinking on this and the explanation. It made sense. Uh, but see, the problem is I think that applies to like philosophy and it applies to things like uh, you know, theology and like the, 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 those kinds of, of thinking. But like I'm, tr I'm trying to come up with an example like science, for instance. Um, sure, it, like, uh, I'm not even going to bring up vaccines because that'll be a for people. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going down that road. I got my own opinions, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But, like, yeah, for instance, um, if you want, if you want to live, you need to breathe. <laughs> like, that is, that is something that I don't, I don't think you can debate that. That, that like that you can't say no that's not true because if you try to rebut that and prove to me that you can live without breathing we wouldn't be having this conversation
So true. all that I need, true. if I can yeah. find one thing, if I can find one thing that's not debatable, then everything is not debatable. Okay. But what about the people who are um, frozen in ice for extended periods of time or cryogenically frozen? Do not have access to oxygen? Like Walt Disney. Are, are st- and then and yet are, are or Captain America. Um, <laughs> and yet are, are pulled from the ice. But like real examples of people who enter like a hypothermic state are frozen, um, basically aren't breathing because um, they're frozen or underwater and then are pulled out and are alive again. Sure, but that's for a short amount of time. It's not their whole life. But, but that's my point is that it's easy to say a statement like that. Um, and I think especially when science, it's dangerous to say things like that, because think of all the great scientific discoveries where we thought the exact opposite or thought something different. And then as debates and experiences um, and we continued to grow in our knowledge, we realized, oh, there's actually more to this than we thought to the point where sometimes it's like, oh, we were almost completely wrong about that. So the question remains then, like, is there is there a truth that is like specific enough that everybody can just know it? Because, uh, you know, and I yeah, the probably is um but like okay if you're getting into the specifics this it's hard because like this this debate is based off of like how we define this stuff so if you're saying like the debate is is like based on honing it um like like if we were if i were to say no one can live a like be specific enough to say like nobody can live a 70 year long life without breathing you know like that that's just not going to happen. Like we can agree on that. So like that hones the specifics, but like, I, I mean, like I, I can concede to you the point that like, you know, you can, uh, on the short term say like, Oh, what about the, the, those who were in the ice for like 15 minutes or something like that? Sure. But if I make a question specific enough, I, I think that we can come to uh, a place where it, you just can't argue that anymore. Well, I think that's a matter for debate, Ryan. And I think that's, <laughs> that, is a, that is a matter for our audience to decide. Um, I think, do you? what do you think, audience? Do you think everything is debatable? Do you think there are some things that are not debatable? Do you think mm. Daniel made a really good argument? For do you think that Ryan is right? No, no one thinks that. That's um, just, you. I, I can't stand you. But <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we want your input. We also want your topics. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you think everything is debatable or not, um, I'm sure you have some arguments that you have with your friends, some debates that um, you can't seem to settle. We would love to settle them for you. Yes. Send us uh, your debates. Send us the topics that you argue with with your friends about, and we can see if we can settle them for you. Uh, like heroes for hire going toe to toe we will we will join forces begrudgingly and argue on your behalf yeah <laughs> if it comes to it absolutely so send us the topics that you'd like to see on future segments of great debates and we can um we can see what we can do for you that would be awesome yeah. all right well in the future we're looking for additional guest judges uh, to help decide our great debates. So if you wanted to be on this uh, this recording and pick who had the best argument and explain why you think that the one person is right over the other, i.e. me, um, you know, just, just let us know. We would love to have you on here, uh, as well as our other competitions we have planned. So if you're interested in being featured on a future segment, uh, send us an email with the subject line guest judge and we will try to coordinate an appearance. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Assemblyman Podcast. You can find our episodes on YouTube, Podbean, and SoundCloud. 
Just search for the Assemblyman Podcast. If you have any feedback, topics you'd like us to discuss, or questions you'd like us to answer, please email us at theassemblymanpodcast at gmail.com or connect with our Facebook page at facebook.com slash theassemblymanpod. We'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation. Also, if you like what you heard and believe in what we're doing, please leave us a rating and uh, or review a review us in your podcast platform of your choice. Woo, that sentence was hard. And if you know anyone else who might enjoy listening, uh, feel free to share us with a friend, please. Uh, we are trying to grow our audience. Um, I'm going a little off script here, but like uh, share us with people that you know, because uh, we're trying to grow our audience, get more participation uh, from all of you, because uh, it, this is so much fun to do. And uh, we're, we're so thankful for those of you who are faithful listeners. Uh, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, if you know anyone else, know anyone else who might enjoy listening to us, uh, feel free to share us with a friend. That really helps us to grow the audience, and uh, it means we get to welcome even more awesome members into the assembly. Yeah. So Ryan, what did we learn today? <sighs> wow. Um, well, I learned that if I want to help someone stay consistent, I need to stick my foot in a fire. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite what I was hoping for. Ah, <laughs> darn it. I was close. Was I close? So close. Oh, so man. So very close. <laughs> um, well, I learned, Ryan, that um, integrity um, is means more than just always telling the truth. Um, that integrity can be just sticking to the things that we believe in and that it's okay when you have found the thing that um, is true to stick with that. Um, even if sometimes debating it can help sharpen your understanding of it. <laughs> you sly dog. He's working in some points without e us even being in that segment. Watch this guy. <laughs> <sighs> you know what I learned today? I learned that Daniel is a cheater when it comes to our, <laughs> our debate segment. That's never been proven. <laughs> That's debatable. All right. Well, until next time, we appreciate you guys so much, like we said, and, um, you know, we are uh, looking forward to making even more of these episodes. So, anyway, until next time, meeting adjourned. Yeah.